Well, hey, and welcome to the Voices of Social Change podcast. I'm Josh, and I founded this community because I want to help businesses make a dollar and a difference. So if you dream of starting a cause-based business, have one already, or maybe you just want to create a movement, you've found yourself in the right place. This is the community and podcast for cause-based leaders who want to make a dollar and a difference. We interview social entrepreneurs from all over the world and share their stories and tools with you so that you can learn from the best. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of Social Change podcast. I'm Josh, and I podcast this proudly from the Kansas City Startup Village. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. I have worked out a deal with them for all of us to get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. The way that you'll get that is if you go to audibletrial.com backslash social change audibletrial.com slash social change. And if you're driving, don't worry about it. Don't be dangerous and write that down. I will put that in the show notes for you so you can click through, get your free audiobook. If you're like me, you listen to podcasts, you like listening to books on audio as well. Audible has been an incredible tool for me as I've grown this movement and I really believe in it. And so that's really why I wanted to go out and get this special link for you. Also, by the way, I don't want to just give you that without giving you a book recommendation. So the book I want to recommend today is called Out of Poverty, and it's by a guy named Paul Pollock. And I'll be putting a link to that as well. But Paul Pollock is, I think, an absolute revolutionary in the social entrepreneurship space. He's not as known a name as some of the other ones out there, but I think he should be. He's literally, literally, lifted millions of people out of poverty by going into situations in developing countries and finding opportunities to create businesses, to create opportunities for people that are living on less than $2 a day. And he has some really incredible philosophies, and he's also just a very kind, humble, thoughtful, and intelligent, and, and, and insightful individual. And his book, Out of Poverty, really shaped so much about who I am and who we are here, or, or, or at least who Social Change Nation is, you know, how this movement came together and some of the philosophies we have around here were really shaped by Paul Pollock and his book, Out of Poverty. So I would strongly recommend you run and grab that book or any one of the other 150,000 titles you can choose from to use up that free download with Audible. But again, go and grab that at audibletrial.com slash social change, and you can link up with that there. Okay, so we're just about to launch into this week's interview, and the only thing that I want to chat through with you real quick before we get started. First of all, if you're just tuning in for the first time, welcome. We're glad to have you here with the Voices of Social Change podcast and in the Social Change Nation community. And if you are listening in for the first time, a couple things you'll want to do. You'll want to subscribe to this podcast. You can do that in iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, any of the major ones where we're linked up with. So you can just subscribe that way. Another thing that you'll want to do is sign up for our newsletter. You can do that in a lot of different ways on our website, but if you just run to socialchangenation.com, you'll see a little sign-in box on the right, um, or also something will will come up at you within a few minutes on the website and let you know if you want the free resource guide. You can do that and give us your email for that. But what that does is that gets you on our weekly update, and that weekly update really just feeds the, the podcast. We have two podcasts a two-part interview podcast each week, and then usually I'm doing a bonus podcast towards Friday. And so that 
weekly update will get you that, but then I also write a blog post and it'll get you all those things straight to your inbox. So you can just click right in and keep up to date with everything we have going on here at Social Change Nation and just get all the best tools for creating a movement that makes a dollar and a difference. And by the way, if you're just tuning in for the first time, understand that not everyone we interview on here is pursuing some kind of a for-profit venture. That dollar piece, what it's really about is that at the end of the day, we realize as change agents that to create sustainable movements, we have to create a sustainable plan to fund it to pay our people and to keep that movement growing. And that's the way we actually make the largest impact and help the most people. So we really value that as important. No matter whether your model is nonprofit, for-profit, some kind of a hybrid, we want to talk about on this show about how you make it financially sustainable. And so that's where that dollar piece comes in. And then the difference piece, I think, is is self-explanatory. So, okay. Well, again, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. If you've been here for, with us for a long time, welcome back. Sit back, relax, and let's get into this interview. Well, Hey, Change Nation, and welcome again to the Voices of Social Change podcast. I'm your host, Josh Shookman, and I am really, really excited to have my guest here today. This is actually the first Forbes 30 Under 30 social entrepreneur we've had on the show, so I'm really excited for that. Hopefully, we'll we'll have several more. He's also a Thiel Fellow, which I'll have him share with you a bit about, but that's a really interesting fellowship. I'm here with Dan Friedman. Dan is the founder of Thinkful. And he and Daryl Silver founded this in 2012 in New York City. They're on a mission to reinvent education. Thinkful trains people to advance their careers, and they believe that a 21st education should equip you with the skills to succeed in the 21st century world. Thinkful is building a school that trains the workforce and the technology skills necessary to sustain innovation and growth in the economy. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming on the show here with us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, Dan, why don't you go ahead and, and take it away and talk to us just a little bit, little bit about who you are personally, because we do want to get to know you and then unpack Thinkful a bit more than I just did here. Yeah, sure. So uh, to talk a little bit about my background, um, I was actually born and raised here in New York. Um, and I went to school in Connecticut and was there for two years. And then uh, you mentioned you mentioned the Teal Fellowship. It, it first came out um, when I was in college and the idea behind the fellowship was to, uh, basically take people who are in the university system and, uh, provide them with support, both financial to, to cover living costs as well as mentorship, uh, to go out and, and start ventures or work on whatever those people found interesting. And so, um, you know, to, to jump ahead a little bit and within that, I, I ended up co-founding Thinkful with Daryl, as you mentioned, um, which is what I'm what I've been focused on for the last two two and a half years now. Okay, perfect. And would you say you have a favorite quote or a life mantra that guides what you do? You know, I, I don't know that I do have a favorite quote, but I think the the thing I always try to keep in mind is just to keep perspective. Um, and I, I generally am a calm person, and, and I think that's what helps me do it. Yeah, no, I, I love that. What does what, what that, if you could kind of break down, what does that mean for you in your day-to-day? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, so uh, working on a startup, um, I think, as, as I'm sure you're familiar with, the you're just always fighting fires. There's, you know, something that was supposed to launch today that's actually going to be a week later. Um, you know, who knows what it is, but there's there's a new fire every week or a couple of weeks. And, um, I think I'd drive myself crazy 
if I let myself. Um, so what, what that means to me is, is uh, just not losing sight of the long term uh, during the day to day. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Cause I, I can only imagine some of the things you all would run into up there. And <laughs> I know on, on my end too, if, if I couldn't keep kind of that long-term view, these short-term ups and downs could, could really pull you down. So I think that's a very important message there. And my other question for you, Dan, you, you are a Forbes 30 under 30 social entrepreneur. So we're really curious to hear your thoughts on this. What does social entrepreneurship mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's, it's sort of a, a thorny topic. I think, uh, the definition has evolved a lot in the last couple of years. Um, so Thinkful is a for-profit company, um, but it obviously isn't any any old company. It, it exists with a specific mission, um, which is to, to create and provide just the absolute highest quality online education. Um, and so what, what social entrepreneurship means to me ultimately is uh, that you are starting something, you are building something for profit or nonprofit. Um, and it has a specific mission, a specific thing that it wants to see in the world uh, that when the common person looks at or agrees is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And how would you then distinguish that from traditional entrepreneurship? Sure. I, I think traditional entrepreneurship, which I see as sort of no less societally valuable, so not to, not to put it down in any way, um, just exists either for a profit motive or to see something uh, come about in the world that uh, has less of an obviously positive societal impact. Um, social entrepreneurship gets a little bit of sort of special credit for things that uh, I think the, the again, we could commonly look at and, uh, and say, this is good. We all agree. This is, uh, you know, called solving a problem for people particularly in need or, you know, helping people who have a particularly onerous problem as opposed to traditional entrepreneurship, which uh, just solves any problem. Got it. Perfect. So let's go ahead and move in now and and unpack a little bit more about Thinkful itself and and some of your philosophies around that. The first thing I'd be curious about, Dan, as a social entrepreneur of all the social challenges out there, uh, why was education the one that you chose? Sure. Well, the... uh Education has always been sort of near and dear for me. I think in high school, I wanted to be a teacher. And when I first started college, I, I thought I might even go into academia. Um, obviously, I've, I've fallen pretty far from that. But, um, but the, it's, just, it's been always fascinating to me, uh, both because I love learning so much uh, and because the, the kinds of problems that you face when you're trying to build great education are, uh, are largely psychology problems. Um, and that branch of learning of how people learn most effectively, uh, of what keeps people motivated. Uh, those are the kinds of problems that I love to first sort of understand what's, what's, you know, the, the gold standard of what we know commonly, and then try to even go further and, and break new ground with. Mm -hmm. And on that note, you know, a lot of, as you describe Thinkful, and then of course, um, going off for the the fellowship, you you make a lot of comments about, you know, this this belief in in project-based work and and focusing on on the careers of individuals. So what would you say is, or or would you say there are things broken about our educational system, about our university educational system right now? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I think you, you, 
um, phrase that correctly, which is that education is so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's impossible to talk about all of them as one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to really, really distinguish from uh, K-12, from higher education, from to some extent adult learning, although I think the boundaries between higher ed and adult learning are uh, in some cases blurring. Um, and so there's, there's definitely problems with higher education. And even even within higher education, you have to distinguish between the multiple higher education systems we have. Um, so I, I think there is a top tier of universities, you know, maybe it's top 50, uh, whatever the number is, uh, that basically are going to and will be fine continuing to operate in exactly the same way. And, you know, there's inefficiencies, but but basically they serve their audience well and uh, and they're going to just continue doing the same thing. On the total other end of the spectrum, uh, there's community colleges, and those serve an extraordinarily challenging audience to serve, uh, and they do it basically sort of mediocre. Um, you know, they, they have very, very low graduation rates on the, on the whole. The community college system has 15 to 20% graduation rates, um, although there are some bright spots in there that uh, have learned how to how to educate uh, students coming from disadvantaged backgrounds much much more effectively. Um, and then in between, there's the sort of middle tier of still pretty expensive and underperforming schools uh, that that maybe cost just as much as the top tier, but aren't delivering uh, the same the same level of education. And and so that's the tier that actually seems to have the most problems because there's the biggest gap there between what they're charging uh, and what they're delivering. Mm-hmm. And, and do you see yourself as, as filling that gap, or where do you see yourself fitting into that world? With them? I think we, we do right now. I mean, the, the programs we're offering, uh, we're typically attracting students with college degrees. Um, you know, we, we sometimes do attract students from the top schools, but by and large, we are attracting uh, students who are well-educated but uh, haven't seen the uh, career, basically the opportunities that they were expecting to see uh, based on the education they've already gotten. So um, I, I think that is largely the, uh, the problem we're solving and the gap we're filling. Mm-hmm. And, and for those of us tuning in, I, I will put in a link to Thinkful in the show notes so you can run there and see the kinds of areas that they're teaching in. But Dan, can you give us just kind of the top two or three examples that you find yourself teaching students in, the, the subject areas, I mean? Sure. So, so um, broadly, we teach technology skills, um, programming, data science, design, um, and most of our courses are in programming. Our most popular course is also our oldest course. Uh, it's an introduction to front-end development. So it covers HTML, CSS, JavaScript, uh, some of the developer tools that, that you need to use uh, if you want to work as an engineer now. Um, and we see, we see students of a few different types. We see students who are looking to start a new career. Uh, we see students who are looking to grow in their current career because these kinds of skills are, are relevant in more and more places now. Um, and finally, we see students who are starting companies and, and want to be able to build, uh, you know, build products or build websites for their products. Okay. Got it. Perfect. And so coming back then, you, you mentioned early on that Thinkful is, is a for-profit venture. And I wonder if you would share with us how you decided on that structure and how successful you've seen that working for you. Sure. Um, so in our view, for-profit uh, just allows for more flexibility and, and agility. 
Um, I've worked at a nonprofit before, and and being tied to the fundraising route uh, is painful uh, in a lot of ways. And and so um, we we have decided to go the venture funding route. We've we've raised two rounds from investors, um, one of which we recently announced, um, and that's that's given us the flexibility to invest in the product and invest in the student experience one step ahead of growth. Um, so it, it's largely been about um, basically the, the relationship that we have with the student, um, which is that you know, we, we have to deliver a great experience, otherwise they're not going to pay us. Uh, whereas if we were a nonprofit, we've got a different customer. We have you know, the, the donor who is the customer, um, and that's not the system that we wanted. Yeah. Well, well, we really appreciate you sharing about that so openly. I, I mean, on a personal note, I, I too, I had a background in the nonprofit space and, and you know, I love the, the heart and, and the passion that's there. And, and obviously, as we've talked about, there's a lot of differences in that world. I mean, I don't want to paint it all with one brush, but I would say that in, in a lot of organizations, nonprofit organizations, what you mentioned is, is a challenge in terms of growth. Um, and so if you're an organization like Thinkful that I think is, is, is really working to revolutionize education in a big way, uh, you know, I think you you really highlight what the benefits are with the model that you chose, and it really fit. It sounds to me like it really fit the cause based mission that you had, uh, and that's kind of what I've been finding more and more as as I've been chatting with a lot of social entrepreneurs. I hear themes develop, and they they always lead with their cause, and then find the the organizational structure that fits the best for that. And and sometimes it's nonprofit, sometimes it's for profit, but it's really leading with what you want to do and then how to best do it rather than, you know, hey, I want to start this kind of an organization. Here's what we want to do with it. Has been kind of my experience, but does that, that seem like your experience as well, Dan? Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I think the other thing I'd mention is there are interesting hybrids popping up. Um, and the, you know, the B Corporation is one of them, um, the, which if you're not familiar with is, is uh, just a corporate status that uh, legally says you're not just beholden to shareholders for profits, you have a second. Uh, you have a second target which you're aiming for, and uh, you are legally freeing yourself to uh, trade profits for some amount of impact on the other goal that you're aiming for. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Actually, that's something we talk about quite a bit on here. Is is uh, you know B Corp certification, and then there's also that that legal distinction. Have were there any discussions uh, about you pursuing either, Dan? Uh, so we haven't done anything in that yet, uh, just because you know we're we're still a small team and uh, we got a lot of other things to worry about, and, sure. and you know corporate structure isn't an issue for us today. Uh, I think we would we will definitely consider it seriously in a couple of years when uh, those are the kinds of problems we have to worry about. Okay, perfect. So looking back then to to thankful, talk to us about the organizational accomplishment you're most proud of to date. Yeah, I, without question, actually, the, the thing I'm most proud of is just the group of people that uh, we've we've gathered to work together on this. Um, I think the uh, we we put a lot of energy into the hiring process and then into executing on it over the last uh, over the last two years. Really, we, we sort of got through a couple of growth spurts, um, and it is just an exceptional group of people. Um, so the, I I'm lucky to be working with them, and I'm uh, you know impressed by people in in new ways. Uh, really every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. And I would encourage you tuning in to run. And when you check out Thankful, check out their team because you, you will see exactly what Dan's talking about. I mean, even just looking at, at the site and, and learning about the people on there, you can see how dynamic a team that is. And I, I want to have you unpack this just a little more too, Dan, because I know that mentors 
are a key part of what you do at Thinkful. So can you talk to us, number one, about the kinds of backgrounds they bring to the table, and then number two, how you linked up with those people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in, in a sense, the founding insight that we started with two years ago uh, was that you can't remove humans from great education. Like, great education is great teachers. They're, they're the same thing. Um, and there's a sort of obviousness to this, because if you ask anyone about the best class they've ever taken, it usually starts with, I had this amazing teacher. Uh, and that's, that's, that's basically what we set out to do, is, is figure out if we could deliver that online. Um, and so when we settled on engineering education, um, we, we said, you know, can we actually even build a team to do this? Um, obviously, engineers are, are well-paid and, and in very high demand right now. Uh, so it's not easy to convince them to uh, leave work and, and teach full-time. Um, but what, what we found, actually, is that that's, that's maybe not even what we want. Uh, teaching is a craft, and it requires training, and, and it requires a lot of work. But so is engineering, and, and it requires a lot of keeping up to date, um, as well as just continuing to hone your craft over years. So um, the, the mentor team we built is about 250 folks right now. Um, collectively, I think they have uh, nearly 2,000 years of, of uh, experience as engineers. Um, and uh, they largely work with us part-time, um, working with a handful of students each, which we found is sort of the most effective number for them so they're not splitting attention across too many people. Um, and, they, and they work in, in weekly sessions just one-on-one with every student. So it's just the absolute maximum amount of attention that we can give to every student. Um, and we, we've typically found them uh, more and more, actually, through word of mouth from other mentors. We're finding that um, a lot of the best people are actually finding us because uh, engineers who are you know, working at their computer all day enjoy a break. They enjoy uh, sharing what they love with other people and uh, helping those who aspire to be like them uh, hone the craft and, and learn the skills. Um, so we, we found actually that uh, where our energies are, are sort of best suited is, is into uh, making sure that we're interviewing rigorously and then making sure that we're doing the appropriate amount of training, um, which is not months and months because people don't want to go through that, uh, but you know, the, the appropriate sort of number of weeks of training and then the appropriate onboarding as you start to work with your first few students. Okay, got it. And coming back then to this this idea of structure, what kind of unique challenges would you say you face uh, trying working to run a for profit in the social sector or or in the educational space where there are also a lot of non profit models as well? Yeah, well, I, I think you do run into uh, occasionally some instinctive negative reaction when you talk about for profit education, mm-hmm. um, and that's for a good reason because the biggest for profits uh, have become bad actors in the last. Uh, five to ten years, taking advantage of uh, government funding of education, doing predatory marketing to students who are not qualified for uh, what they're offering. And so for us, it's just been important to set, uh, to set clear boundaries and to set uh, you know, a, a, a very clear and honest promise that we're making to students. Um, and so the, uh, we're... we're we have phone calls with uh, a large percentage of our students before they sign up for a course, and um, we're, we're very careful with the language we use in terms of promising what they're going to learn and what they're going to be able to accomplish with it. Um, and we just make sure that there's no misunderstandings. 
Yeah, Dan, I, I love that you, you shared that because you and I talked offline before and, and I am you know, a teaching assistant as well in, in a traditional state university. And, you know, we kind of see firsthand too what has, you know, where some of the larger for-profit universities have gone wrong. And I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of exactly what they've, they've done that has, has given that a bad name. And I think it's, it's really important and I really appreciate <laughs> that, that you all are are really starting a movement that is, is bringing that in another direction and you know that you're being very clear about that and and making that a part of your mission and your cause and so that means a lot because it, it needed to happen <laughs> it needed to thanks happen. i appreciate so, that yeah absolutely well okay so last part then on this section before i get into a few specific questions i, I have for you dan after reading a bit about you uh in, in one quick sentence what would you say to us leads to a successful social venture yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I, and I think it's actually the same answer as to what leads to a successful any venture, which is uh, a strong solution to a clear problem. Um, I, I think the challenge when you're first starting something is to uh, spend just more and more and more time um, focusing on the problem and looking at it from many different angles to really just understand the problem. Um, and then typically, if you do that well, the solution itself isn't hard. So uh, basically getting, getting a true, clear representation of a problem, um, I think is, is the, the biggest driver and predictor of, uh, creating real value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that was, was simple, clear and concise and, and definitely something that, that we can, we can take with us and bring back into our movements. So, well, well great stuff. Well, we will be back here shortly with Dan. We're going to take just a quick break and we'll be back and ask some specific questions about Thinkful and uh, his background at Yale and a few other things that I'm really curious to hear about. So stay tuned. We'll be right. We'll be back. Hey, Change Nation, Josh here again. And like you heard me mention at the beginning of the podcast, just want to remind you for all of us, the listeners of the Voices of Social Change podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check out what Audible's all about. This is something I personally very strongly recommend. It shaped a lot of who I am. I listen to Audible audiobooks regularly. If you want to be a leader, you've got to be a reader. And if you're listening to a podcast, you'll love audiobooks too, I'm sure. Remember, our book recommendation for today is Out of Poverty by Paul Pollock. Out of Poverty by Paul Pollock. He's a humble and inspiring man, and he's taught me a lot about what it means to be a change agent, and I know he can do the same for you. 